0: Welcome back creepy cats. It's another week of ew that's creepy and our theme this week will be murder at sea. Jackie is going to kick it off with the tragic tale of Chris and Peta a truly incredible couple whose lives were taken far too soon. This story is dark and we'll discuss sexual assault and murder. Listener discretion is advised.
1: we're back hello everybody today we are back with another episode in this week's theme we are doing ocean murders ew yeah it's creepy <laughs> <laughs> it is creepy so we're gonna be talking about some crimes some murders that take place out honestly on the water the ocean is one of my biggest fears, so
0: those oh, stories really freak me
1: out. Same, without a doubt. The ocean is so terrifying, so I could not even imagine. I mean, on, honestly, I would never go really on a boat or a cruise, something like that, because I just am really terrified of the ocean, but yeah, for some people, that's quite enjoyable. <laughs>
0: It's, like, between the crime that happens on the ocean and your ship just, like, having something naturally
1: happen to it out on the water. So that's just so much anxiety for me too. <laughs> same. Same. It's, like, too many things at once. I feel like I would just combust. I wouldn't be able to handle it. Right. But, um, I guess we can get right into it. All right, Jack. Tell it. All right. So I'm going to be telling the story of... Um, the victims are Chris Farmer and Peta Frampton? Peta? It's P-E-T-A is the way her name is spelled. That's cute. They're from the UK, so yeah, I'm not exactly sure. I should have watched an interview, but I, re- I read so many interviews with, um, Chris's sister Penny actually wrote a book that came out pretty recently called Dead in the Water, Ooh. By Penny Farmer. So, yeah, she is the victim of Chris, who's... Or, uh, the victim. The sister of Chris, who's one of the victims. She wrote that book. It's on Amazon. Um, it is selling out, like, pretty quick. So, I would say if you want to read it, get it while it's there. Okay, it has, Penny. uh, good reviews, too, so... Penny yeah.
0: getting her pennies. <laughs> Penny's
1: yeah. getting her coins. And she wrote a book on this tragic thing. But I got a lot of information um, from that book, so I wanted to say that from the beginning because, yeah, she deserves her credit. Good for her. But um, this took place, actually, in the 70s, like, the actual crimes. So I'm just going to do first a little background on Chris and Peta. So Peta, I'll just call her that. I'm really sorry if it's Peta, but Peta was the fourth of five children and she grew up in manchester which was a suburb of Chorlton come hardy and <laughs> she lived across the street from chris people say that she was strong-willed um kind of shy but she was really really close with her parents and her family chris was very intelligent and at the age of 11 he won a scholarship to the Manchester Grammar School, which I guess was pretty prestigious. Damn, at he, 11? Yeah, he won like a um I think a, like some sort of competition and won a scholarship <laughs> to it. And okay. then he also had a photographic memory, so that <gasps> made him... That's so cool. I know, and that made him obviously very, very intelligent. Cool. And they also said he was really naturally adventurous, um, but in a smart way. He wouldn't take risks. He wanted to experience new things, but... Like, he would plan stuff out. He wasn't really a risk taker. Okay. But he was really remembered for sticking up for others, and he wanted to become a doctor just because he was, I think, just such a nice person. He really wanted to help people. Chris sounds like the man, kind of. I know. Both of them sound amazing. <laughs>
0: He's smart. He sticks up for others.
1: Just just wait um, until they get a little older. Their story is so cute. So Chris grew a love for sailing. His family would take regular sailing trips, um, on the Trierder Bay. <laughs> I'm sorry if I butcher this stuff. I'm so awful at pronunciation. But in the '60s, Chris worked at a unisex boutique and hair studio, where I he like that. really became um, cultured, and he cultivated his own style. And people said he wore. Crop Tops had pierced ears and spray painted his cowboy boots silver. So he sounds cool as hell. He's fucking iconic. He is an icon. And the wow. couple got together when they were 14. Um, Everyone said they were a great match for each other. And this is so cute. They crossed paths and they, together, they made suede handbags <gasps> and sold them. Oh my god. Before going to, like, off to school, off to university. So that was, like, how they made money. And, wait, and they, they, they got together. They lived across, across the, the street, street from, from each other. Each other. Mm-hmm. And then they got together and, like, were little boss babes and selling suede handbags that they made.
0: This sounds like a liberal love story in... Yeah, the right? They sound...
1: So, well, in the UK. They are in the heart of the UK. In um, Manchester. I love this. I know. They sound so cute. Um, they both enrolled at Birmingham University. He was studying medicine. She, law, iconic. Oh, my gosh. They were remembered for throwing really great parties with a diverse crowd. That's really what, like, a lot of the articles said. People who met them said that they were really, really nice Somebody who was interviewed who was a good friend of theirs said that he was saying this not just because, like, they passed away, but he said that they were genuinely two of the nicest people he had ever met. And they really, especially Chris, went out of the way for people because, yeah, he wanted to be a doctor. And I think Peta, like, was definitely super, super nice, but I do think she was a little more, like, the reserved one out of the couple. So... After going to school for a while, um, they wanted to take a year to just see the world and, like, reward themselves for, you know, going to school for so long. Of course. And they wanted to travel abroad, and they were going to start oh. by flying to Australia, and then they are going to make their way back to the UK. Like, they were going to go to Australia in December, and then the following December start, ma- I'd make their way back to the UK.
0: That's pretty far.
1: I mean, yeah, it was a whole year that they were going to do this trip. And Chris had heard of, like, a three-month program that paid British doctors to go and work in Australia. So, he was like, I'm looking into that. Okay. And the couple had done a lot of traveling together. They had explored Europe, Morocco, and North Africa together. So, it's not like this isn't their first rodeo. Wow. We As love a couple, couple that
0: travels together.
1: Right. Especially if you're going to be spending a year somewhere. You need to, like have done this. You before. do,
0: you need to have those experiences to test that person and see yeah, if they're That's for sure. If they're still normal.
1: <laughs> yeah. But this they definitely this couple, they seem like they're made to the last because they've been together since they're fourteen and now they're like going everywhere together. Love. It. Um yeah, so the last time Penny, Chris's sister, saw the couple was in December of nineteen seventy seven. Um, when the couple had spent time with both of their families during the holiday before they were gonna start their little adventure in Australia. And Penny remembers Chris. He was, you know, 5'8", but she said he had a huge personality. She remembered (laughs) him being in his, like, flamboyant, cute clothes that just, like, reflected him. And Petta was a legal student, so before she went, she actually made a will just because, like, you know, when you're a lawyer, that's just, like, what you do. And she wrote in the will that she left her few remaining things that she would even have to her, quote, beloved friend, Chris. So cute.
0: That's the cutest thing I've ever heard in my life. I know.
1: These two are just, like, adorable. So, when they got to Australia, Chris was working kind of, like, hours that weren't great. They kind of sucked, but they were really long and Peta was a secretary, but I think, like, the long hours on, he had, like, you know, long hours off. So, he was able to explore Australia. So, they did do exploring in Australia for about five months. And, um, it was 1978 by this point. Peta okay. wrote to her mom in a letter that they got tickets to London via New Caledonia, BG L.A., and Miami. So they were just going to go on a long-ass, like, trek and eventually go back to London.
0: So they're going to America?
1: Yeah. So rather than fly to L.A., they explored some of the South Pacific islands, um, went to Fiji, then went to Hawaii, and got to L.A. in May of 1978. And then they drove down to Mexico. (laughs) This is crazy. I'm like, damn, that is a lot of traveling.
0: doing all of this. Yeah.
1: And then they drove down to Mexico where Chris had some friends and they were going to stay with their friends. Um, they were going to go to Oaxaca and then to Yucatan. Okay. Instead, they met a really cool couple who were going to Belize who said that they could take them there. So they're just like, Yay. Then, so now they're
0: just going to believe? They're
1: literally just going all over the <laughs> place. I think they were really cool and hippie-ish that if they met people who were like, do you want to go here with us? They'd be like, yeah. I mean, they're not really Are on a time frame.
0: I kind of love that for them. Yeah.
1: This is their reward. So they're just like doing whatever. Good
0: for them. Right? This is amazing. I want to be them.
1: I know. I am like.
0: <laughs> well, for now, I guess. Yeah. That's but sad, knowing that. they're
1: brave and I commend them on being so brave to travel all that when they're both young and, like, they just seem so cool.
0: Yeah, they really do. They seem so cool.
1: Yeah, so they met the couple who was going to Belize, and they went. They went to Chatumel, which is a city on the east coast of the Yucatan Peninsula, and then they went to Belize City. Um, When they were in Belize City, they met another couple who took <laughs> them to a small island called Kay Kalker, ...on their boat called The Norma, which is a little tiny island, but people say it's really good for scuba diving. So, one night they were at a bar with the um, couple who owned their boat, The Norma, and they had a friend who was 37-year-old Silas Duane Boston, who they just called Boston. He had been there for six months, um, and he had come from Mexico with his two sons, 13-year-old Vince and 12-year-old Russell... They had had card trouble and had ended up in the K selling guns to make money. I don't know how that happened. With his kids? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything about that. In April of 78, um, Boston... And yeah, I'm just going to call him Boston because that's just like what people called him. That's his last name. Okay. But Boston's dad... In April of 1978, Boston's dad gave him some money and he bought a boat called the Justin B. That was thirty two feet long, but it wasn't a luxury boat by any means. It was like a working fishing boat. Like it didn't have bathrooms and all that nice stuff that, you know, sailing boats tend to have. But he would use the boats to take tourists back and forth from the islands, but he didn't have a permit for this or a visa and he was like charging them for money, obviously. <laughs> Kinda of just his own side hustle, but
0: That's very sus.
1: Yeah, so shortly before he met Cresson peta in um the island when they came along the government had come aboard his boat that justin b and told him like you can't be doing this because you don't have a visa and (laughs) they were like legal yeah and they're like you're taking away employment from the citizens of this place of this island so
0: that's very true
1: they basically told him to like stop (laughs) And he basically decided it was time to leave the area instead of just stop. So it kind of just seems like he's a clamber. But the couple met Boston, and they were planning on taking a bus to Merida. But Boston offered to take them with him via his boat, since he was trying to hightail it out of there anyway.
0: Uh, I don't know. I don't like this. I don't like that they're going with this guy, who seems a little suspicious.
1: Yeah, I kind of think that too, but I don't think they obviously know. They that don't know he just about got in trouble. Yeah, and he has two kids with them, and they're like twelve and thirteen. So you kind of just be like, uh. "I don't like kids. <laughs> like, I'm not coming." I mean, it would make me yeah. feel more like less sus about the person. No, you're
0: definitely right. Like that's, if they have teenage, that's a hundred percent true. Especially well. as a woman, you're never going to suspect that someone with like kids would be planning to do something bad. So
1: yeah. And, yeah, I mean, to them, he seems normal. (laughs) Like, he's not... It's like we know, because we know all the facts. But they're like, he seems just chill, I guess. And he's offering us a ride to another place. And they're the
0: nicest couple ever, so they were probably very nice. (laughs)
1: Literally, they're the nicest people ever. So, the couple, Boston and Boston's two sons, left the port of... De in Belize City on June 26th of um, 1978. They were bound for Puerto Cortez in Honduras. And records show that Boston was the um, captain of the boat and the four others were listed as as his passengers. So, two sons and the couple. Yep. He's the captain and the two sons and the couple, they're there. They're all going. Three days later, on yeah, so that was June 26th that they set sail. Three days later, on June 29th, Peta wrote her last letter to her mother. Um, she said that there actually wasn't really much to write about because she was like, "Um, oh, we're at <laughs> sea," but yeah, Peta and Chris were avid about their whole trip, getting back to their parents, making phone calls, writing letters. Mm-hmm. They really were kept on top of it. So yeah. She wrote this letter, and she's just, like, you know, checking in. We're on this boat now with this guy. Um, They said his name, and they said the boat's name, and they said, like, where they were going and stuff, and she was, like, you know, that's that. But she did say that Boston um, swore a lot. He cursed a lot, and he would get violent, especially, like, with his sons. And she just, like, you know, didn't really feel comfortable with that. But that was, like, really all she had to say. It's not like he was, like too bad off she was just like he's kind of i think treats his sons like crap <laughs> was like the main thing she was saying yeah okay so on july 6th records show that the justin b that's boston's boat entered livingston with only boston and his two sons on board um on july 8th Firefighters discovered two bodies floating in the Caribbean Sea off the coast of Punta de Manabique in, Guanta- in Guatemala. And their bodies, the bodies they found were hogtied, weighed down with engine parts, and the woman's head had a plastic bag over it. An autopsy showed that the cause of death was drowning. What the fuck? At the time, officials didn't know that that was the couple because they had just, like, you know, sailed in. They didn't really have any way of knowing that the couple wasn't with them. They just right. check in the boat and stuff. It's not like they knew. Um, right. And it's not like they knew the couple's body. Yeah, they didn't, like, n- just off the bat know who these people were. So, at the time, um, the two bodies were buried in Porto Barrias? Okay. So they're yeah just buried over there. At like around this time too, the families obviously didn't receive any more letters from Peta, no more phone calls from Chris, so they are worried. And after months, they're clearly like, "What the hell?" So Chris's dad wrote um a letter to the harbor master in Belize City asking for records of the Justman B because they got that letter. From Penta, that last one that said the Justin B. Thank so, God she wrote that
0: letter saying who they were traveling with. Well,
1: listen, because I wondered when I first started, you know, doing the story, I was like, well, how did she even sail it, send it though if on the boat?
0: Oh yeah,
1: but I'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, th- but they did, you know, they got the letter and they read in it that it said the Justin B. So, um, and it basically said, yeah, like it just had said it, that they were on it, Justin B. with the dude named Boston. So Chris's dad wrote that to the Harbor master in Belize City that he wanted records of the Justin B. And the harbormaster replied and said that the couple had been on board when the boat took off, but there was no records of them on the boat returning. So further investigations had found that the couple had secured Visas for Honduras, but had never entered the country. And, you know, that was like the plan that Boston had told them that they were going to go to Honduras. So, yeah, they had gotten their um, visas for Honduras. Oh, no. So by October of 78, Boston had been located by authorities in California. Mm -hmm. He was clearly brought in for questioning because, yeah, it was on record that he's the last person seen with the couple. When he was interviewed he was like evasive. He didn't really I don't think really like cared too much, but wasn't so sus. He basically had just said that the couple had made it back to Guatemala with them with him and he was surprised that they had not returned like to the UK or gotten in touch with anybody since. Oh, yeah, fucking right, like I know, right. Seriously. That's always just somebody's excuse, like, oh I don't know what happened. <laughs> But Manchester police actually allowed Chris's father to call Boston and talk to them himself. I mean, this was the 70s, too. I don't think investigations are anything like that, what they are today. So they just let Chris's dad That's call true. Boston himself and, like, ask him about it. And Chris's dad said that Boston seemed arrogant on the phone, kind of cocky. And um that just, like, furthered the family's suspicions, obviously. Of course. That Boston had something to do with it. So the formal investigation though seemed to really be going nowhere. Like Chris's dad was the only one like doing anything. And I think it was because like they really didn't have like they had no physical evidence. It's just circumstantial and it's in the seventies and I think it's a, tough. Like it's in Guatemala, dudes in America, right. victims are from UK. Right. It's like all this stuff which I'm sure investigators are like this is too much. <laughs> in the 70s i mean they should still try but at this point it's it's not going too far chris's father actually worked for bbc at the time so he had a really good relationship with the press Ooh, he talked to the press and asked them you know to get this story out and he wanted to raise awareness for the story he wanted people to know hell yeah An American man named Dr. Tom Lane responded to Chris's dad's pleas on BBC for help, and he asked a friend of his to um, investigate it. He had a friend of his in Belize, and he, you know, called him and was like, can you please, like, investigate it? And the dude was just like, sure. You have friends everywhere. Yeah, so Dr. Tom Lane's friend finds out that um, in January 1979, a priest in Guatemala, Guatemala, Guatemala. my god, <laughs> what I sounded like, a priest in Guatemala told the family that the bunnies, yeah, bodies of a couple had been found the previous year. So this is the first time that the family is hearing that bodies were discovered in the <sighs> Caribbean Sea. According- no, you didn't know that we were searching this entire time. I know, you didn't right? See us. You didn't see people. Yeah, playing. they're like, why would- that would have been nice to know, police. According to the FBI, on April 10th of 1979, the bodies were exhumed, and they were pos- positively identified as Chris and Peta through dental records.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: know, so tragic. By May, the Manchester police asked the United States police to investigate on their own. Penny claims that the U.S. police did a poor job of investigating and didn't make any steps in the case because there wasn't any crime scene or evidence and it was circumstantial and it happened on the water. So it's like basically they can't even locate exactly where it happened. And it really doesn't surprise me that the U.S. police would not want to get involved. I just,
0: I just don't understand how,
1: but it's still annoying because it's so obvious. I don't
0: understand how there's not enough, how the simple fact that they got on his boat, they were supposed to be taken to a certain place. He showed up without them and And then they were were found tied. They were found murdered in the sea.
1: It gets, yeah,
0: it's pretty obvious. And if he said that he took them there and that they were with him when he entered He's clearly lying. And not there
1: when they got off. What else would have happened? So
0: I don't understand how that little piece isn't enough. I I, mean, I do understand, but it's frustrating.
1: (laughs) I know it is frustrating. But so they're like investigating this in 1979. And Boston actually flees. He was fluent in Spanish, which is kind of how he like made his own way. Doing all that traveling in Guatemala before. But he fled to Mexico and, like, just wasn't seen or heard from again. With but... his son still? Actually, that's a good question, but I believe so. Yeah, I think he <laughs> just was, like, out. And, yeah, authorities just couldn't locate him or anything. Damn it. So, 37 years go by. <gasps> 37 years of nothing. They declared the case was cold because they couldn't find Boston. And there was, like, no new evidence. Somehow. What? But that's BS to me, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But anyway, 37 years later, Penny never stopped thinking of what happened. Never stopped wondering.
0: Of course.
1: Yeah. So it's 2015 by this point. Penny has this idea where she's like, I should Google this dude. Mm -hmm. I should just Google him. And she's like, I should Facebook him too and his sons because she <gasps> reverse image search like they do in Catfish. Catfish was and a TV show. Imagine if she called them. She should have, but yeah, she's like I should just like Google and Facebook him, and to her, and she like knew. I'm pretty sure she knew the sons, Vincent Russell, knew their names from Petz's letters. So she's like, I should just Google all these piece, all these people, and Facebook them. Yes. Pretty easily. Penny was able to find the older son, Vince, on Facebook, and his Facebook page said, my mother was killed when she was 23 with a gun.
0: <gasps>
1: Wait. Fucking
0: what? His, his, his Facebook mom. page said that? Okay. His mom. So it sounds like Boston has done this before. Which, when you think about it, that doesn't sound surprising, the fact that he killed them so brutally
1: it kind of does seem like have you done this before girl just wait and all the pieces will come together (gasps) but i wanted to tell it like in its logical order because it's just so much crazier that way like in the timeline of it happening yeah, so he Penny... He up, I think. Oh, mm. my God. Penny was shook. She kept digging and was actually able to find that Boston had a Facebook profile, too. And he was, like, an old man at this point. And Russell, his other son, also had one. And she called the UK investigators, like, real quick and told them. So, Penny also got in touch with Amy Crosby, who was a te- de- little detective with the Sacramento Police Department. And they were investigating... The death of Boston's ex-wife and the mother to Vince and Russell, named <sighs> Mary Lou. Girl. Yeah. They were investigating her death. Okay. When Penny got in touch with um Boston's sons, she was shocked to learn that they told her that the whole time they knew exactly what happened to Chris and Peta, and they had actually been telling the police for years that their father um had done it. The son said that they had told the UK, the US, and Guatemalan police that they had witnessed their father kill the couple on the boat. What? And that their father was also responsible, may have been responsible for killing another couple they believe from Scandinavia a few days later. Ew! I'm pissed. So, Penny change that to the name of our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) This podcast is now. Ew! I'm pissed off. Penny is also like, what in the hell? Penny hops on a plane to America to go talk to Russell to hear it in his own words. She was like, I need to hear this. Yeah. So she gets there and Russell tells her the whole thing and, um... This is also from what Russell told Penny and what also Russell has just told investigators, too. But Penny told Russell to not spare her any of the details. And I believe she might have also went um, with Chris's mom, too. It might have been Penny and Chris's oh mom, but I'm not God. sure. But either way, she was like, "Tell, yeah, don't spare any of the details. Let us know. Give me the tea. So, Russell told Penny and investigators that at first things weren't bad, but... To Start with, and mm-hmm. that Boston and the couple and the kids like were enjoying their time together. That they enjoyed listening to Chris's music on Boston's boombox, and the first days were okay. Okay, but on one particular night, um, Boston got really drunk and started physically, physically, oh my god, <laughs> physically beating his younger son, Russell. I don't know. I know. So, Chris stepped in to defuse the situation and was trying to fight off Boston. Mm -hmm. It was, like, trying to protect Russell, obviously, because he's a nice guy, and that's just known for what he, like, is known for doing that. Of course. Boston then tried to attack Chris, but because Boston was so drunk, he ended up falling into the water, and the fight just kind of stopped there. But after that night, he just, like, I think that was like building up anger and resentment in him, and he started planning the couple's murder. They should have just sailed
0: away when his drunk ass fell in the water.
1: I know right they prob they really should have, but the sons say one night that the boat was harbored in Livingston, and their dad attacked Chris completely unprovoked and began beating Chris with the Billy club while Chris was trying to pull up the anchor on the boat.
0: What the
1: fuck? They also said that, um, Boston tried to stab Chris with a fillet knife, but it was broken. So <gasps> Ew. he was able to tackle Chris and tie him up because Chris's und- injuries were so bad. Oh. All the investigative reports that I read said that there was evidence that the couple had been tortured, but it didn't say, like, exactly what. I think basically just, I think Chris was very, very badly beaten.
0: I hate this guy.
1: I hate him too, and you're about to hate him a little bit more because I mean this whole episode is for trigger warning, but even more right now um Penny said in one interview that Boston was a rapist, and from what the sons had told her that once Chris was tied up, Boston took Peta down to the cabin of the boat, and she says it isn't hard to imagine what he did, so I hate to say, but he clearly sexually assaulted and raped. Pets, uh, in the cabin <clears throat> of the boat. This sad. I know, this makes me shit. upset. In the cabin of the boat, uh, when Chris was tied up. This is a direct quote, and this is just so sad. This is from a BBC article with Penny. The really heartwarming thing was that even though Chris had a fractured skull and other broken bones And there was blood all over the deck. He was still trying to comfort Peta, telling her it was all going to be all right, even when they were trussed up like turkeys waiting to be thrown overboard. I'm really upset, but. We had to tell this story because it went cold for so long. I really don't think anybody knew about it or talked about it, and it's so sad. They should be remembered for the great people that they are.
0: You're right, and they deserve justice, too. Yeah. As hard as it is to revisit and say these horrible things that have been to amazing people, I feel like they still need justice, and they deserve to have their story told. Exactly. But I seriously hate this guy so much. Like, this story went from being interesting, and now I'm just literally pissed off.
1: I know. I'm sorry. It's it's, it's something else. I'll tell you that. It's really frustrating. All
0: right. Just keep going.
1: Okay. So, he hogtied them to the boat. I think eventually when he was done torturing and hurting them both, he, yeah, took Peta out, too, and also hogtied her. Yeah, he tied them both up. He tied machine parts to a rope and covered their heads with plastic bags and tied them to the machine parts and pushed them in the water. His son said that he looked at um, his watch after throwing their bodies in the water after a couple of minutes and said that they should be dead by now and sailed the boat away. His son said that after sailing away, it was silent on the boat for a long time But after a while, Boston told his sons that he had no choice and that the couple had made him do it. Oh,
0: yeah, right. And do you know what? That just shows to go how sick this guy is that he's immediately manipulating his children to just think that Uh he's not
1: the aggressor here and somehow he's the victim. Right. So two days later, uh, the boy said that... or I don't know if it's two. I think it's a few days later, but there's not a lot of information about this part. Uh, the boys say that their father, they believe, possibly murdered a tourist, two tourists from Scandinavia, but, yeah, I, there wasn't a whole lot of details on that, but I'm pretty sure it would be a similar situation to Chris and Okay. Um, the FBI tried to track down a couple, but never could. So, on July 6th, 1978, when the, um, Boston and his sons had gotten back and reached, the port in Guatemala. Um, the son said that Boston dropped off farmers Chris's and Peta's clothes at a local business, and that he mailed Peta's last letter. <gasps> so he mailed it when he had gotten to back to the port that day, and the letter was actually postmarked July 18th. Um, which was 10 days after the couple's bodies were found. You know what? That is your karma because you, you th- mailed that right? letter. You literally uh-huh. mailed the letter that sealed your own fate. I thought that it's like, you shouldn't have said anything. You that's literally the ass. karma that you get right there. And your stupid ass for doing that. And right. So it really is. You know, he sent that letter when they got back and he sold their clothes and uh, that letter came back to bite him. He had told authorities at the time that he had just dropped them off at a peninsula across the bay from the port. And because his boat needed repairs, so he said... And he says that he thought he saw them getting on a ferry, but he couldn't be sure. A load of BS.
0: Yeah, right. Okay, so their bodies just got found in the ocean. Like, they... You mean to tell me... So, you... They got on a boat there and then sailed all the way back where they came from and halfway, uh-huh. they got murdered there.
1: Right, and they, yeah, they sailed off uh, the coast and somehow, I don't even know. I don't know what he thought he was doing with that one, but apparently it worked for a little bit. <laughs> apparently the investigators bought it for a while now, because the they hell? didn't arrest him right then and there. So, yeah, but a little bit after the murders... um <laughs> Boston told his sons in a drunken rage that he would kill them, too, if they ever said anything, and that he had actually killed their mother, Mary Lou. He told his sons that he had gunned down Mary Lou as she was trying to run away from him after he, he allegedly said that she took money from their bank account, their joint bank account.
0: He's a monster.
1: Yeah, so he shot her when she was trying to leave him. And at the time, he had told investigators that she took the money out and ran off with another man. A likely story. Which was a load of BS. Yeah, I'm sure we're all very quick to believe that. Right. He also told his son, Russell, that he killed 33 people, which Russell also told Penny. And... It is in one in some reports. I don't know like how people know this, but they say that one of Boston's traveling companions said that in the nineties, Boston had told him that he had killed tourists for fun, and he was <gasps> laughing about it. Ew! Uh, I'm getting just so upset. Like. I know. I'm sorry. But what kind of human being does this? Yep. So all this information was relayed. A penny in twenty fifteen by the sons she told the investigators and these poor children right she told told the investigators and Boston was eventually tracked down to a nursing home in California um He had complained of having no friends and he was in bad health and couldn't travel anymore and he was like sad and lonely,
0: oh boo-hoo. which yeah, I kind
1: of don't really feel bad for him. And a person who worked at, like, the nursing home that he was at set up a Facebook page for him when he was there. So, that was how, you know, he got the Facebook page. So, on December 1st, 2016, Boston was charged with two counts of homicide for the deaths of Chris and Peta. And he was located at Paradise Ridge Post Acute Facility in California, which was, yeah, like a nursing home type facility. This is nuts. However, Boston still was um, evil and had some tricks up his sleeve because he denied medical treatment once he was arrested. I mean, his health was, like, really bad. I think he was in a wheelchair, and I'm not exactly sure how old he was, but it was obviously pretty bad if he was un-nursing him to begin with. Oh, so he knew he would just, like, die. Basically, So, he was strapped to a hospital bed, his organs were failing, and he exercised his right to withdraw medical treatment, and in April of 2017, he passed away, and on April 24th, 2017, Penny received the news that he was dead. (sighs) Penny was very upset and mad, and obviously she thought that he took the coward's way out. But she was happy the, that her 93-year-old mother finally got all the answers. Because, sadly, I'm almost positive Chris's father passed away and didn't get the answers he wanted. But After
0: all that work, he did, too.
1: I know. But Chris's mother, at least, she finally figured out what happened. Um, Penny definitely thinks that the story's going to turn into a movie soon. She says it's so crazy, like... It's almost unbelievable, so she has no doubt that it will be a movie one day, and um, she wants people to, like, dig deeper into the story and to dig deeper into Boston's life, because, yeah, he said he killed all those people, so it's like, people should be able to put the pieces together once this story comes out, and... She's obviously happy that it's solved, but she really doesn't understand why her brother's case was even listed as a cold case in the first place. When there was so much evidence and that the sons had been reaching out. Like, it's almost like, if Penny wouldn't have continued, who would have taken the initiative to charge him with murder? The kids were saying he did it. That and that is, like, almost
0: as heinous as the crimes if if that's true and if the children really were saying all that which i don't see why they would lie to penny about that that is just why i want to know like there needs to be honestly justice for that simple fact that it was listed a cold case for all these years and yeah. she basically solved it because why were those why were those accounts not taken seriously by the children
1: that is frustrating as well I literally don't know it's like really because
0: you know like when you think about it it's the simple fact of if he would have gotten charged back then maybe someone else maybe someone else's death could have been prevented if he really was a serial killer like he claimed
1: oh for sure yeah he has killed thirty three people or however many people he's killed I'm sure he did it after getting away with their murder and she could have gotten justice. He could have been in jail for all those years. Like,
0: there needs to be some accountability for whoever worked that case and kind of seems like
1: they didn't do the best job. I know. And it's sad because I get it's the 70s. So it obviously isn't the same type of investigations now, but it's in, it's like America, the UK, and Guatemala. But it just is sad that it's like. Seems quite obvious of who it was then, Mm -hmm. and it's only confirmed that it's the same exact person now, right? And what I mean, he never got a fair trial, so it's not like we can say what forensic evidence they may have had, but it seems like the evidence they had all these years was there, and it just took someone, Penny, to connect all the pieces, and the children to just be able to tell their story to someone who would listen. But I have to believe that something else. There had to be more evidence for the police to even be investigating Mary Lou's murder. Yeah,
0: yeah, I would like to know that story as well.
1: But I think more information will continue to come out about this guy. I mean, that was only yeah in twenty seventeen that he passed away. So I think like more stuff. There, I couldn't find any podcast that had covered the story yet or anything really. The only thing that I saw that covered the story was a bunch of articles in um Penny's book. Okay. So, hopefully more... I know, poor Penny. I hope but I'm glad people. she's
0: telling her story. And there Same. Should, there should be a show or a movie about this because that's how maybe someone in another country or a tourist would be like... I did see that guy with that
1: couple and yeah, then they went missing. Yeah, I remember that when I was, like, exactly. however old and yeah, or it have, rings a bell.
0: Or someone could have been like, I had friends who went missing after they went on a boat with, like, this person or something. So I feel like there should be some attention called
1: to that as well. Me too. Uh. I hope the story gets more popular.
0: I really, really like that story. Like, I mean, I don't really like it. I like that she got justice in the end, but boy, did it piss me off along it's the way. It's so
1: annoying. I know. Like, you just want to, like... I know. What a, a cruel, cruel
0: person. I know. Ugh. Well, I hope you guys still like Jackie's story, even though it <laughs> probably pissed many of you off. It pissed me off Go as check well. out
1: Penny's I'm book, upset. though. Go give Penny the coins that she deserves but also it's more than that pay respect and you know buying her book is a great way to learn more about um the story but also just learn it had a lot about chris and peta and just who they were as people so
0: amazing people clearly they
1: obviously sound so freaking cool i bet they would have led amazing amazing lives if they would have had the opportunity you know what I'm really
0: glad you covered too how nice of people they were that was a good thing to focus I wanted on wanted to yeah. and remember them for that and hopefully not and just that's this really crime.
1: what Penny focuses on is just how amazing her brother was and uh Penta like they both were just super cool diverse people that had a great crowd and I think were just amazing people
0: and kind to everybody.
1: And they should be remembered as such. hmm Oh, man. Sorry. <laughs> All right,
0: guys. Well, we'll have another um, little sea sea murder soon. <laughs> <laughs> sea murder? That sounds weird. Okay. Sounds like sea monster. Yeah, it does. Uh, murder Ocean. at sea. That sounds a little fancier. That's a good one.
1: Murder at sea.
0: Yep. We'll be back with another one soon.
1: Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Want to creep on us?
0: Follow us on social media at ew, that's creepy podcast, or send us an email at ew, that's creepy podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, creepy cats.